It's good to see you all again this morning, um, and uh, it's good to be able to bring the word of the Lord to us this morning. I just, I feel the word the Lord has given me for this morning is that uh, the Lord wants to encourage us that we are builders, uh, but that he is the master builder, the chief builder as it were, and it's our job to build with him. Um, and, and so I'm going to just talk about through... Uh, this theme this morning uh, and then I'm going to finish by talking uh, a little bit practically about some of the things that we're going to be doing um, in the church over the next couple of months Um, but I think it's important for us to just um, really start by building our uh, thoughts this morning off of scripture Um, and you're probably all very familiar with this scripture aren't you uh, unless the Lord builds the house, those who, lab- those who build it labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the, si- the watchman stays awake in vain. I have, over the last couple of months, um, uh, been involved, for the last five months, been involved in a building project. We've been um, doing an extension on the side of our house, and uh, praise the Lord, it's more or less finished. We've moved back home, which is great, um, and it's nice to be back in our own house. But I've learned quite a few lessons um, from watching builders build um, and the way in which they build. And and what you realise about uh, the whole building process is that there is great potential for it to go wrong, right? If you build badly, it can create all kinds of problems, right? Um, We know some friends. um, In fact, some of you will know John and Jana, um, uh, who are leaders in Eltham. They had a terrible experience where they had a bad builder, and he basically split open their house, ripped everything out, and then walked off and didn't return uh, with all their money. And it was a dreadfully difficult experience. Some of you have moved into houses uh, where people have done DIY, um, or people have done building work, and you've discovered the work that they've done has been shoddy or poor, and you've had to go back and and rebuild or re-correct things that have been done wrong. And so it's really important when you're building to build right. Um, and thankfully, I'm hopeful um, that, well, Pat, Pat had the builders before we did, and currently his building's still standing and still doing all right. So I'm hopeful that our builders have done a good job. Um, but we this morning are called to be builders with God. And it's important that we are, when we are building, we build right. And we don't build shoddily and we don't build cheaply and we don't build badly because in the end, if we build badly, if we build poorly, we will reap the fruit in the end. Uh, But I want to work this morning off a particular scripture, uh, which is actually found, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to it um, because I'm going to refer to it quite a bit this morning. Uh, But if not, it's it's up here on the screen. Uh, And so I'm going to read this and it says, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 to 9, and the context of this passage is that Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth had been uh, doing all kinds of things wrong, making lots of mistakes, but one of the mistakes they'd been making was that they'd been getting into tribes. Uh, they'd been saying, I'm, I'm with the Paul group, uh, and I'm with the Apollos group, and I'm with the, the, the Jesus group, uh, and what Paul is basically saying is, is it's not necessarily about which group you're in. It doesn't matter. It's God that builds the house. So that's the context. But let's, let's read this. And Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labourers. For we are God's fellow workers. 
You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each of us take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. The word manifest means become known. Right? Uh, for the day, that's the day of reckoning or the day that Jesus comes, uh, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built uh, <coughs> on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And um, I just want to look particularly at some of the, the key points in this passage this morning. Um, the first thing we see at the top of this, this passage is that Paul describes himself as a builder. Right? He saw himself as a builder. He saw that his role in the church was to build. Um, but Paul also calls himself a skilled builder. You know, he says, I am a skilled master builder. Um, and I've watched uh, a variety of different builders working on my build, right? Um, and Pat and Gemma had the same builders, and there's not just one builder, there's lots of different ones that come and do different things. And one thing you realise is that some builders are clearly better than others, right? Some builders are very good, very meticulous, they do their work properly, and others are a bit kind of quicker, maybe a little bit more slapdash. Um, but he is a skilled, he does, uh, Paul sees himself as a skilled builder who does a proper job. He was no cowboy builder. He was not turning up with no plan, no idea. He had a plan. He was a skilled master builder. He had laid a foundation in the church uh, that was based on a clear idea about what was right and what was not right. And this is, I suppose, the point that I, I think is important to understand, is that you and I right, are builders, Right? Just like Paul was a builder in the church, you and I are builders. Now, you may not be a master builder. Paul describes himself as a master builder. Now, we don't really use the phrase master builder anymore. Um, but what it would basically mean in, in, kind of old, in olden terms, the master builder was basically like the architect, the project manager, the one that kind of was the engineer that oversaw the project. Yeah? So, in the context of the church, I guess that would probably be me, is that I am the master builder in, in the context of the church. But in the context of your family, right, men, right, you are, right, I believe God has called you to be the master builder in your family. Right? Maybe you are in work and you have responsibility at work. Maybe you are the master builder in a work context. Right? But each of us has a responsibility in our own lives and in the church to be builders and to be about building. And one of the things that um, I really want to get across to you this morning is to ask you a question, what are you building? This year, in 2019, what are you building? Right? Have you got any plans to build anything? Have you even realised that you're building anything, that God has called you to be a builder, or are you simply just kind of, as many of us are, let's be honest, just kind of getting from one day to the next day to the next day? But this is what I really believe God wants to, the, the word I suppose that God has for us as a church 
um, and as individuals is that we are called to build. Each one of us is called to build. And it's so important that we, I believe, grasp this this morning because so often we don't get hold of what God has for our lives because we do not realise our responsibility before God to be builders, to purposefully, intentionally set about building that which God has for us. So let's, uh, let's, let's pick up um, this verse here. Uh, so the first thing that I'm going to ask, I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit, but Paul says, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each of us take care how he builds upon it. And I want to ask you this question. I've, I've already asked the question, but what are you building this year? What is it you're building? Are you trying to build a better marriage? Are you trying to build a, a stronger family? Are you trying to build a better or deeper prayer life? Maybe you're trying to build a new career. Maybe you're trying to build a wider group of friends. I realise I, I am trying to build a wider group of friends. It's important for me to have a, a wider group of friends. Maybe you're trying to build a ministry to the poor or a ministry to the community or a ministry to men or a ministry to mums or, or whatever it is. Are you maybe in a work context? Maybe you're trying to build a successful team at work. But one of the biggest problems that we encounter in this Christian life, or I've encountered in pastoral ministry over many years, is that basically we often use this, this phrase, right? We, we say, well, if this, the Lord builds the house, the builder builds in vain. So what that means is basically I don't have to do any building, God will do the building. I can just sit back and relax and be a bit truthfully, we, we just sort of say things like, oh, the Lord will do it. But what that really means is I'm a little bit lazy. I don't really intentionally want to set about building anything. Um, I'm just going to carry on doing what I do from week to week and hope that somehow if I carry on doing the same thing that something will be different or that my life will change or that I will have an impact. And people dream about things but they never build things or not never but so often they don't build things. But yet the Bible is really clear. If that is your theology that you are sitting around waiting for God to do something in your marriage or waiting for God to do something in your workplace or waiting for God to do something here or there, you have either we have taught you poorly from the Bible, right, or you have got a misunderstanding of good biblical theology. Because what the Bible says is this, it says really clearly, right, that salvation is by faith alone, right? We cannot earn anything to do with our salvation, there's nothing we can do to make God love us more, is there? We all agreed on that, yeah? There's nothing we can do that we can't earn God. We don't work, right, to try and earn our salvation. But the book of James clearly says, right, he says, some of you have faith, say, some of you say, you have faith and I have works. But James says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Right? We are called to work out our salvation. Yeah? We are called to be actively building. And you and I, I want to believe the Lord wants to challenge us as a church and as individuals to be about building something. Right? We need to be about building something. If you want a change in your life, you have to be intentional about building it. And I believe that this is what God really wants to get across to us this morning. 
But what's the first phase in any build project? Right, John and Ruth hopefully are going to move house at the end of the month, amen, right? And they've immediately, they've already set about, right, a desire to put an extension on the side of their house, right? Okay, I can recommend some builders, by the way. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they live about three doors down from where you will live. Um, and, uh, but the first thing that happens, the first thing we did when we decided that we wanted to build was we did what? Survey? No, before that, what do you need? You need money, we need money, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, the first thing, we called in an architect. The first thing you have to do if you want to do any building is you need to have a plan. That's the first thing, you need to have a plan. And as the saying goes, if you fail to plan, right, right you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And the truth is that many of us have no plan for what we believe God wants to build. We've not sat and thought about it. We might have dreamed about, you know, I want a better career. Well, have you set about setting a plan for that? Have you set about seeking the Lord as to how you're to go about that? Do you want to see God reach the poor in the community around us? Well, what are you doing? Are we planning for that? And it's really important, Paul described himself as a master builder. A master builder has a plan. Builders have plans. Builders work from plans. When my builders were building the corner of the, the walls, they got out the plans, right, they measured it, and they got some very complicated laser things that measured exactly to the millimetre where they should build, and they built according to the plan. And so I want to ask you this morning, what your pl- what's your plan? What is it, if you want to see a change in your life, if we want to see a change in the church, if we want to see a change in this community, we need to be about planning. Planning comes before building. Amen? I I just want to say, um, I am very happy to sit down for as long as it takes with anybody that feels that they they want to build something in their life, but they do not know how to go about doing it. Right? It is one of my great joys to be able to help people discover what God has got for them in their life. And often we know what we want to do, but some people are not very good at working out how to go about doing that. I'm happy to give up my time to sit with you to help you discover what God wants for you and for your life and how to go about doing that practically. Yeah. So you need to make sure that this year you have a plan. But here's my next question, right? The next thing, once we've got the plans and we've done our architect, right, the architect then says, before we can do any building, before we can put any spade in the ground, we need to get something called planning permission, right? right Pat and Gemma had all kinds of trouble with their planning permission because they were trying to do something very complicated. Pat, of course, had to go extra big and had to argue with the planners to eventually they agreed with him that he was right. Um, Gemma wasn't content with just one mention. She needed an extended mention. But the first thing you need, once you've you've got a plan, then you need to basically get planning permission. And so many people never ask God whether or not their plan is really his will. And this is so key, is if you want to go ahead, you may think, I've got a great plan. I want to build an amazing, to reach out to uh, drug addicts in, in St Paul's Cray. What an amazing plan. But if you haven't asked God whether that's the right thing, yeah, you might find that like, much like has happened, if you ever see anybody that's ever built anything without planning permission, what happens is after a little while, the government come along and say, you've got to take that down. 
And all that effort, all that money, all that energy is spent for nothing because it has to come down again. And we need to make sure that as we're planning, as we're stepping forward into what God wants for us, that we are getting the permission of God, that we are moving with God in these things. So let us take care about how we build. Let's make sure that we, before we build, that we are planning. So what's the next thing we see in this passage? There was an emphasis in Paul's writings about quality, build quality. In, chapter, in verse 12 it says, Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay or straw, each one's work will become manifest or known. There are two sets, as it were, of materials here, aren't there? Right? right? There's gold, silver and precious stones. I would love it if my house was built out of gold, silver and precious stones. That would be great, wouldn't it? Right? Okay? The reality is my house is more likely to be built out of wood, hay and insulation. Yeah? All right? <clears throat> there's two types of materials, right? There's gold, silver, precious stones, there's wood, hay and straw. There's almost two categories here. Now, to build with gold, silver and precious stones is going to be expensive. It's going to be a slow process. Trying to build with gold would be an expensive and slow process. But also, if you're going to build with those kind of materials, it takes great skill, right? But if you're going to build with wood, hay and straw, right, it is not going to cost you very much. It's not going to take very long. Uh, and uh, to be honest, you don't need much skill. That's why I quite like working with wood. I've discovered I enjoy building things out of wood because you can screw it and unscrew it because if you get it wrong, yeah? If you cast it like gold, you, you got it wrong, it'd be a massive hassle to do it, do it right. But you see, it's really important when we build that we don't become impatient, quick, trying to knock it up as fast as we can, you know? Right, if we're going to do something, we're going to have to do it right. I've spent a lot of time with my friend Patrick, right? Okay, and anyone that's seen any of Patrick's building work realises that what you cannot criticise it for is a lack of quality, right? Okay, when you look at Pat's work, right, it is done to the, the nanomillimetre, right, okay? To the nanomillimetre. I was watching him, right, he was, uh, I'm going to take the mickey out of him now, he was putting up, right, a piece of wood to hang a blind on, right? And I watched him, because we were living together, and he had a little stepladder, and so he walks up his stepladder, gets at his drill, and like the drill is doing like tiny revolutions, and he just puts a little pilot hole in, comes back down the step, looks at it, goes back up again, drills it a little bit more, just about that much, comes back down, checks his rule plug, goes back up again, drills the hole a little bit more, comes back down, we have a conversation about which rule plug to go in, up he goes again, and eventually, at about the fourth try, okay, he's got the hole, the perfect size, the perfect depth, right? Right? I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, <laughs> right, and the whole wall falls apart, okay, right, but there's a hole, right? Okay. <clears throat> if you're going to build something right, it's going to take time. You've got to do it slowly. You've got to do it costly. And sometimes in, in church life or in your life, you can, create, you can create things that go up really quick. You can create things like, like they say about modern houses, don't they? Do you know, I was talking to my builders about modern houses. This is a lecture on building this morning, right? But modern houses apparently are built out of timber frames, right? My house is built entirely out of brick, right? Which sounds obvious, doesn't it? But no, no, apparently modern houses, they basically build a timber frame out of wood, and hay and stubble, right, okay? And then what they do is they basically then put a bit of brick around the outside of it, okay? And they, they say essentially the quality is nowhere near as good. Goes up really quick, 
It's really kind of much cheaper to build, but the quality's not as good. And at the end of the day, if there was a hurricane that come down, that those houses are much more likely to fall down, aren't they? It's why in America, you know, the hurricanes have such destructive power, because they're not built very sternly. But my house took much more time to build, it was much more costly, but it will stand under pressure. Because what we see is, is that what we build as a church, as individuals, will be tested. Verse 13 says this, Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If we build something quickly, we build something cheaply, something that looks good on the outside, there's no guarantee that when God comes, that it will last. And I don't know about you, but we want to be like Germans, don't we? Building things that last. Building things that are good quality. Now, there's a, there's a real possibility that the church might be persecuted in a sort of X number of years, right? We are facing more and more opposition externally. And the thing about persecution is it's like God's... It's like a fire, isn't it, that blows through the church. And the things that are basically not very, really kind of built well, just get in a fire, get burnt up, don't they? Gold, silver, precious stones don't get burnt up by fire. Wood, hay and stubble does. And, you know, when pressure comes in our lives, when things go wrong, when our world falls apart, when things seem to fall apart, that which is built solidly, rightly, strongly, stands. And that's the challenge for us this morning. When we're building, we need to build right. You are not going to change your life in five minutes. If you're looking for God to somehow zap you and you know, magic something up for you, right? the chances are it's probably not going to be God because what God does takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It's costly. It costs you a lot. But when pressure comes, when challenges come, it stands. Because God wants to change us deeply on the inside. So, we want to build with quality and we want to build right. Now, there are other people that are basically cowboy builders, right? There are many spiritual cowboy builders, okay? Right? And they build, right, you've got the ego builders, right? There are those people that build things in order to, basically, for their own ego, Right? Um, I, I work in quite a big organisation and, and one of the things you encounter in education is there's a number of projects that many of them come and go. I'm looking at David because he's also in teaching. And a lot of these projects essentially are about building somebody's career. Yeah? Right? They come in, someone's got a, you know, needs to look good so they can get their next promotion. So they, they run a, a project. Um, it looks, Chris, is, you've probably seen this, haven't you? Right? They come and go. Someone's going to introduce some big new scheme or some way of doing things and they've not thought it through, it isn't very good, and basically they get promotion and leave and the whole thing's rubbish, it doesn't work, and, you know, it doesn't last very long, yeah? Because they're building, because they're trying to build, because they're just basically trying to build their ego. And we need to be careful, like, this is a challenge for me as a leader in the church, what we do in the church should not be about making me look good, it should be about doing what's right. There are those people that are fear builders. They build walls out of fear. I, I think that Donald Trump's build the wall is a great example of this. What a terrible reason to build a wall. Basically, it's playing, the reason they're building a wall is being, building a wall out of fear. 
They're building a wall because they're afraid of people coming into their country. Right? And, and essentially, he's, he's built an entire uh, election campaign on fear, on basically saying, let's build a wall because we're afraid of, we want to keep ourselves separate, we're afraid of all those other people coming in. And there are times in life that we build and we build that fear. We build security, we build safety because we're afraid. And we need to be careful that when we're building, we're not building with a motivation of fear. And lastly, there are um, the impatient builders. Um, and this is, I'll be honest, this is my, this is my challenge. Right? I am an impatient builder. Right? I would like to build things quickly. Right? This week I had a broken chair, right? my prayer chair. Right? I've got a prayer chair right? which sits in my room. It's a wing-back chair from Ikea. And it's on you know, the little legs. And uh, because I'd spent so much time on my knees interceding, right, the, the back leg of this chair had broken, right? And I thought to myself, Helen and Gemma told me just to phone up Ikea and, and replace it. But I was like, no, no, I can fix it, right? So <clears throat> I took it apart. Um, and uh, then I attempted to do it. And I realised that I needed the, the, the help of a professional Gary, right? Someone that would come in and, and go to town on it. Right, and there's me, and I want to basically get it done as quickly as possible. And Pat's like, no, no, let's take our time. Right, so <clears throat> right, what Pat does, he measures out the wood about five or six times just to adjust it, cuts it about 25 times to get it within the millimetre. I was like, that'll do. No, 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 let's take it back and do it again. Right, then he decides he's going to add a, a strut. And then he added three brackets, right? Three brackets that he'd found from somewhere amongst all of my stuff, right? And by the end, basically, the corner of this chair is so strong, right, that I worry that the other three will break, right? <clears throat> because basically all the pressure is going to go on like one side. And uh, anyway, but Pat, it took, right? Because I, I said to Pat, I'll pop round it, it'll be a 20 minute job. It should have been a 20 minute job. It was a two hour job, right? Right, but at the end of that two hours, right, that chair, that leg is not breaking again, yeah? Because Pat has done it properly. I would have done it as quick as I could and it probably would have broken again and then it really, really would have been useless, right? I know that my temptation is to be impatient. If you want to build something in your life, if we want to build something in this church, it's going to take us time. Do not rush the things that God is doing in your life, right? If you're going to build, you have to build it brick by brick and you have to check that each brick is level with the next one because in the end if you build quickly it'll either all fall down right or it, yeah it, it'll just it will look rubbish at the end it won't really stand for much because you see when we allow God to work with us or God allows us to work with him and we work with God and we are building with God in the right heart with a clear plan, with the right materials, we may set out in our hearts to build a shed. But God will do something greater than that. God will build things that you didn't think were possible. Do you believe that? That you might set out thinking, I just believe that God's going to you know, build something small. When we, you know, my friend Alan Robinson uh, at Eltham started out to run a food bank in Eltham. He just wanted to do a small thing in Eltham to run a small food bank in Eltham. He has ended up running the food bank for Greenwich, which is now, I think, like the second or third largest food bank in the United Kingdom. And he's a really influential, and he's not done it. He set out with a simple heart to build what God had for him in Eltham to reach people in Eltham. And now he's reaching everybody across Greenwich out of that food bank. 
God takes our plans and he multiplies them when we build with him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you might set out in your heart to build a strong marriage and actually your marriage becomes an example to other people that essentially helps them build a strong marriage too? Do you believe that your family can be an example? Do you believe that in your workplace, your team, which you're thinking is just a little team, could end up being a really influential team that impacts an entire organisation? When we do something with God, there's no limiting what God can do. But the other thing we do, when we build with God, we don't end up with DIY disasters, right? If you set out to build on your own, right, this would be my toilet, probably, right? Okay, and then Pat would come round and, and have to fix it, yeah? All right? But there's so many examples of people that set out and they're impatient, they build with cheap materials, they don't plan, they rush at it, and what they end up with is a DIY disaster. They do-it-yourself disaster. Right? You and I are called to build with God, and if you have a plan that you bring before the Lord, you work it out, you're patient, you work hard, you invest in what God is calling you to do, God will take what you are building and grow it beyond what you imagine, and you will not end up with a disaster that looks like this spiritually. And you see, this is the challenge, I believe, for us as a church. God wants us not just to build individually, but to build as a church. And I'm not going to talk for ages this morning about the vision of the church, but essentially, my heart for the church is this, is that we, this is the, the temple, the, you know, the river vision, right? The river that comes, that flows from the throne of God, right? That is the vision of the river church flowing out that blesses the nations and we want to become and we are already becoming a sending church a church which sees people get saved which strengthens them and sends them out right and that's our heart to become a sending church and so if we want to do that we have to be about building towards that we can't just sit there and go lord we want to be a sending church we have to plan to build for that and each of us are called to play our part in building for that and so I just want to talk practically about what we are doing to build towards this vision and that's going to take I mean for the Lord to accomplish all that he wants to do in that might take us 20 years but I don't mind I'm willing to to stay with what God has got I'm not saying you're going to be stuck with me for 20 years by the way just but the Lord it takes time right and what we've been doing when we, we met as house groups in the summer, when we met together and we ate together, was part of this. It's about building fellowship. What we did in this season of mission is about building their capacity to reach people for the loss, to reach the loss for Jesus. We've been working towards, it's been part of a plan. But we really feel that what we need to do over the next couple of months, well, for the foreseeable future, sorry, is we need to go back to having a strong home group uh, set up right where we have home groups where where more things happen through the home groups uh, than they have done before right and so we're going to set up um five um five home groups um there's going to be i'm not sure if it's a tuesday we thought it was a tuesday but it might not be a tuesday right but it'll be something and that's going to be led by patrick um with the help of terry hannah uh, and joel and zayna um, there's uh, going to be a Wednesday group which is going to be led by Simon Karina with the help of Chris and Rene. Uh, there's going to be a young adults group um, which is going to be led by Mark and Alice. Um, it's not necessarily just for young adults but we're recognising the need that our young adults need to be discipled and cared for. Um, so it will have a, a, that, that focus. Um, we're going to have a men's midweek group 
which is a group for men that are more available in the day, which is going to be led by John and Steve. And we really wanted to include our children in this because our children, our older children, are actually doing a lot of these things together. And so they're beginning to, they meet once a month, but obviously meet every week on a Sunday as well in that group. And so that's going to be primarily led by uh, Gemma and Helen. Uh, and these groups are going to have four areas of focus, and we're really keen for the leaders of those groups and those that are involved in them to really uh, take more responsibility. So um, the areas of focus are going to be, firstly, pastoral care. Okay? So what we've, the way we, we've, we've been a smaller church over many years, and when you're a small church, there are things that you can do in a small church that as you get bigger become more difficult. And so the way that we've made sure that we do pastoral care is that uh, a few people uh, in the leadership will sort of make sure that everybody's being well cared for. But as we grow as a church, um, there's a need for that pastoral care to happen more within the groups. And so the home groups are going to be the place where pastoral care is primarily going to be taking place. So if I've got a question about how... Um, uh, let's pick on someone. Who should we pick on? Let's uh, try to... Who can I pick on? I don't know. Like how, how, how Chris is doing, right? Okay, how's Chris doing? Is he, is he okay? Is he feeling all right? What I would be able to do is, is go and ask Chris's home group leader, and Chris's home group leader will hopefully say, well, I met up with Chris last week, uh, and actually, yeah, he's really struggling. Oh, man, he's really struggling. Yeah, okay. No, he's not. Uh, it just, but, but it's happening through the home groups, and the home groups become that place of care and caring for one another. Um, the second thing is about discipleship. So obviously there's going to be an emphasis in those groups on teaching the Bible, um, uh, but also mentoring and encouraging each other uh, through the groups. So talking and, and not basically, we don't just want a nice Bible study where we look at the book and we all say, oh, now we know a little bit more about Ephesians than we did before. It's actually about saying, how can we challenge each other outside of that, that little group to say, are you living the things that we're preaching about or talking about? Uh, and hopefully within that, that as... As the church grows, that we will that develop leaders who will then be able to potentially take on the leadership of other groups going forward. Okay? So pastoral care, discipleship, prayer <clears throat> is the third thing. We are absolutely committed and believe in this church that prayer is, is the, the vehicle through which God moves. That prayer, we, Helen and I were debating last night in bed, right, this shows that this is not normal, by the way. But we were discussing in bread last night who's, who made the quote, um, the prayer is not, prayer doesn't fit us for the greater work, prayer is the greater work, right? We're so spiritual. Those are the kind of conversations we have in bed. <laughs> Can I just say, it was preceded by conversations about sofas. That conversation existed for about 20 seconds, then we went back onto sofas, right? Um, uh, but we want to be a church that prioritises prayer. And I'm very aware that we have a Monday night prayer meeting, but not everyone can get to the Monday night prayer meeting. And actually, sometimes the way in which we do prayer in the Monday night prayer meeting isn't always accessible for everyone. So one week a month, the groups will work, be working on having a week where, which is devoted to prayer. But that can be prayer in a way which suits that group, right? as opposed to having to do it in a model... Um, uh, that, that, you know, is, is just the Monday night prayer meeting. Uh, and the last area of focus is about mission. We, we've spent the last three or four months talking about being ambassadors for Christ. Uh, and therefore, sharing the gospel and leading people to Christ is important for everyone in the church. 
And so part of what the, the groups are about is encouraging each other, how are we getting on with sharing the gospel with our neighbours and our friends? And it may be that actually the group does some mission together. So it might be that you organise a barbecue and you invite all your friends to the barbecue or something like that. Okay? But that can be as the group, the group goes and leads. So that's going to be our, our home groups. I'm very happy to talk to you some more about that, um, if you'd like to. Um, we, um, we obviously need to work out who's going to go in whose group, um, and you are welcome to, to choose where you, you go, but I think what we might do is we might uh, approach you, different people, to work out where you think might be best for you, based on, some of it will be based on what night you're free, yeah, okay. Um, so that's, that's home groups, um, and we would see these home groups as running, uh, you know, we're not planning to change the home groups structure for the foreseeable future, right? We're gonna, it's not like we're going to do this for a few months and we're going to change it. We're going to stick with this for the foreseeable future until we really feel um, it's either reached an end or we need to change it, but we're not planning to change it for any time soon. Um, just want to say, I hope you've all caught the, the fancy title, right? We, 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 I debated and prayed long and hard about the, the, what we should call home groups. Some people call them life groups, growth groups, cell groups. But I was like, we need a really snappy title, right? Home groups, right? <laughs> Why? Because they meet in homes, right? Okay, that's pretty much what it is. It says, it does what it says in the tin. So home groups. So that's, that's, uh, that's how we're building. We, we believe that through this we're building people up. We're teaching people to pray. We are going to be developing leaders through this, developing people that can, can minister God's word. We see this as building for the next phase of what God wants. The next thing I want to talk to you about, just to finish with, is, is prayer. Because we believe that, I said we believe prayer is important. I really believe that we need to grow as a church in the way in which we pray. Um, and so, uh, in, partly because of this, but also because I, I suppose I feel in my heart that there are areas and people that need breakthrough. Right? I think there are people that are sick that we have not seen got healed. I believe there are people who have been stuck in their spiritual condition for too long. I believe that we want to see God doing things. And so we're going to have a time of prayer and fasting um, on the week. Um, it's the week of the 14th um, of January. It was going to be Monday to Wednesday, but because um, we've got to go to Devon for the funeral on the Monday, um, we're going to move it to the Wednesday to the Friday. So it's going to be the Wednesday to Friday. And every morning, I'm sure we'll have a packed out attendance at 6am at Pat and Gemma's house. Gemma's always the first one there um, in the morning. She's always up making the teas and the coffees, aren't you, Gemma? No. <clears throat> um, to be honest, n neither is Pat. Yeah, we pretty much let ourselves in and Pat rolls down in his pants. Um, that has happened once or twice, yeah. Um, uh, that won't happen if there's ladies, just to warn you. Um, uh, and then, so we're going to do that at six o'clock. So if you're a working person, please come in the morning. Um, if you can't come, uh, then there's going to be a 10.30 prayer meeting. That's going to be at our house every day. So every morning it'll be at Pat's. And every, every midday, it'll be uh, 10 o'clock, 10.30 till 11.30, it'll be at our house. Um, thanks, I haven't told you that, had I? <coughs> hadn't told Helen that, that's fine. Don't worry, yeah. Um, so you can come and all see our nice new extension. Uh, and then in the evening at 7.30, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're going to have evening prayer meetings. Uh, and they will be at various different people's houses. But the Friday night will be at the Oak Church. 
Okay, so we've, we've uh, organised to have the Oak Church and we're going to have a real time of prayer and worship. Uh, and if you fasted, we might even go to the Chinese afterwards, all right, to break the fast. Amen. Yeah, I think an Indian might be stretching it, yeah, okay. Uh, but that week, on the 14th, on the Monday the 14th, there's no prayer meeting on that Monday, because obviously we've got three days of prayer. So I really encourage you to participate however you can in that, and really believe that God wants to use us to build something and move something. So we're going to start the year with that. But once we've done our week, we're actually in from February onwards, for, for at least a few months, we're going to try something different with the weekly prayer meetings, okay? So what we're going to do is on, a, on the first Monday of the month, we're going to really encourage as many people to come as possible. I've booked out Giggs Hill Church um, uh, for the first Monday of the month, all right? And we're going to have worship and prayer, because we recognise that some people find sitting in a, you know, sitting like this for an hour, yeah, quite, or an hour and a half, quite difficult. But actually with prayer and a bit more space, sometimes it's easier. And so we're going to have a once a month worship and prayer night, and that'll be at Gigs Hill. We're going to try that until basically May, and we'll see how we do. And then on week two, there won't be a Monday night prayer meeting. There will, but, but what there will be is that will be the week that the house groups will focus on prayer in that week, Okay. So during that week will be the week when there is a, essentially it's like we'll have more than one prayer meeting, we'll have lots of prayer meetings, okay? Um, but happening in different ways in different houses, okay? Then in week three, we'll have a Monday night, it'll be on a Monday night, um, uh, and we will um, uh, do a prayer meeting where I would like to do a little bit of teaching, maybe 20 minutes of teaching um, <clears throat> on developing our prayer life. You know, the, the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And I recognise that we need to learn to pray. There are people here that, you know, like I've been in church since I, for 35 years, right? My mum and dad, all right, I remember my mum and dad praying with me every night, age three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I, I was taught how to pray as a child, right? If you have not grown up in a Christian home, it is possible that you don't know how to pray, Right? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? because you kind of have to learn. Jesus' disciples need to learn. There's nothing wrong with learning how to pray. So what we're going to do is on that week, we're going to focus on learning how to pray and whether we're learning what it means to be quiet and meditate before God, whether it means to, what it means to intercede, what it means to, um, you know, to pray in tongues, if that's your thing. Uh, so things like that, we're going to do that. Uh, and so we'll have a little time of learning and then we will work out practising some of the things we've just talked about. And then in the last week, again, what, what we thought would be really good to do is have a time where those leaders can come together and really pray. And so there'll be a leaders' prayer meeting, uh, but we need to confirm the time because obviously it depends on, on, on how that works. Okay? So we just felt we're going to try this for a season um, and see how it goes. And if it's rubbish, right? If it's rubbish, it doesn't work, we can always go back to having a prayer meeting every Monday night. Yeah? Okay? But for the time, we just thought we needed to just change things up a little bit. So, I'm done now. Oh, look, perfect, 12.30. Yeah? <clears throat> As if by magic. All right? No, not magic. That's dodge. <clears throat> We're not into magic. Yeah? But what I want us to do is I want us just to um, stand together um, and we're going to pray.